You know, the most important thing is that you come into an organization with a clear vision. And being able to sell that vision to your troops is extremely important. Welcome to the Southside Show, your local news and information source for Atlanta's South Side. Welcome to the Southside Show. I'm your host, Artie Jones III. The Southside Show will introduce you to talented individuals, visionary leaders, innovative entrepreneurs, and game changers that make a Southside strong. Today's guest is Chief Keith Meadows. He's the first chief of police for the city of South Fulton. He is a successful command level executive with over 35 years of law enforcement experience. This highly accomplished visionary law enforcement executive is a strong supporter of 21st century policing principles and champions the guardian mindset as it relates to public safety. Welcome, Keith Meadows. Thank you so much for having me here uh, today. All right, all right. Yes. Well, well, um, it's ha I'm happy to have you here today. We've talked many times in the past. Right. We have worked together at the city of College Park. Right. You left. Uh, joined the city of South Fulton, was there for a couple of years. You kind of got them all warmed up and everything. And then I came along and I, I followed you as yeah. economic development director. That's right. But um, I'm very, um, I would like to start off uh, first with you providing us with kind of a, your background, where you grew up and everything. Okay. Um, and we'll take it from there. So I actually grew up here in the city of um, Atlanta, well, the, in the Atlanta metropolitan area. I'm a product of the Atlanta public school systems. Uh, I went to Warranty Jackson Elementary School. I went to Sutton Middle School, and I graduated from Northside High School. Okay. I later went on to um, Georgia State University, and, and uh, from there I got into policing. I always wanted to go uh, and investigate murders, and I had the opportunity to do that at a really high level uh, in my time with the Atlanta Police Department. I was over the homicide unit there for 11 of my 30 years. And after retiring from Atlanta, I left and went to become the uh, chief of police in College Park for three years. And the city of South Fulton kind of wooed me away. Uh, I think the thought of starting a brand new police department was really intriguing to me mm -hmm. because you get the opportunity to start off with a blank slate, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to try to build this police department in the 21st century mold so we can kind of make sure that we were on the cutting edge of technology and that we had the right strategies in place. Okay. What would you think was some of those... Uh now I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go way back. Okay. I'm gonna go way back. Okay. I know about your 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 family. We right. grew up the business and everything that you're in. For our Southside Show guests, kind of tell them about where you came from and kind of how you got into. You know, I was gonna ask you the question. Uh, how do you feel about? I guess investigating murders, but at the oh, same time. Okay, so, so um, in 1929, my grandfather started the first funeral home in my family. Okay. Uh, and so, growing up around the funeral home, I always developed this interest in investigating murders. And so, I used to sneak back uh, into <laughs> my family's business and try to, you know, uh, develop and hone my skills there. And, and so, that's where I actually first developed the interest in actually wanting to investigate murders. And so, as time went on, as I was coming up, uh, my family began to open up one funeral home after another, and we have four in the state of Georgia, one in Albany, Georgia, Arlington, Oglethorpe, and then the one here in the, in the Atlanta metropolitan area. And so uh, being around that environment didn't frighten me at all, but it also sparked an interest in, in me, and that's how I wound up getting into law enforcement. Now, did your family, did they want you to get into the family business? They did. Um, in fact, when I took the position in South Fulton, my father was a little upset because he's getting... 
you know, a little up there in age. And, right. and so, but I'm still enjoying myself. And, and we're still in the process of building something really special here in South Fulton. And I want to make sure that we see that through. Um, I'm going to eventually wind up back in the business. But for now, I want to make sure that we accomplish the goals that we've set for an agency. Okay. This is always a funny story for me. Um, you know, uh, at one time you were, I'm not sure how you ended up in a, um, I guess a boxing match, mm -hmm. but you were telling me, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that, that story uh, about what you're, uh... <laughs> and this is a funny story. When we were growing up, uh, my father insisted that we participate in sports, right? Mm -hmm. And he gave us a choice. There was, the, there was two choices. He said, you could either box or you could play football. And so um, I decided, you know, I was going to buck the trends with my other brothers and I was going to box. <laughs> well, they, they took, my dad took us over to the Warren Boys Club and they put me in the ring with this kid and, and uh, that kid, the minute the bell rung, he hit me in the face twice. And I was standing there and uh, they asked me, they said, what's your name? I said, Thursday. <laughs> And uh, it turns out that kid was Evander Holyfield. So uh, I had no idea until later on that uh, that we were about the same age. And so it's that's that's a funny and it's a true story. Yeah, well. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was I mean that was a, I've always get a I always get a laugh out of that. I said if it wasn't for Evander Holyfield. Holyfield, yeah, never I would have never played. Would've been. I would have never wound up playing football. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like your, uh, your dad, he wanted you to be in some kind of context. Course, right, so. he did. Uh, and so, and that was the one thing that he always insisted, that we stay active as kids. Because I had four brothers, well, three brothers. There's okay. four of us. And uh, so we, ha we had to stay active when we were coming up. And were you the oldest? Or I was next to the oldest. I was, okay. I was actually the middle child for a very long time. I'm 13 years older than my youngest brother. Okay. And so um, I was the middle child for a long time. So, you know, the middle child is always the one competing for attention. That was one of the reasons I decided to buck the trend and go into boxing <laughs> instead of playing football like everyone else. So. Okay. So you were at the city of College Park. While I was there, uh, you made some... Um, tremendous uh, you had some tremendous accomplishments right there um, I've, I've always you know held you in the highest regard out of all the police chiefs I've worked with you know in the state of Georgia you by far are the top um, police chief that I you know well, that you. I have I've worked with um, you're very down to earth you're straight to the point you say what you do do what you say I've been in some of your command meetings where right. you hold people accountable there's no right you know, trying to, you know, dodge, you know, the responsibility in, that you guys have. Um, and also kind of the, 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 the morale that, you know, your, your people have. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, tell me a little bit about your management style and what you have, how you, what is your management style as you move forward and growing, you know, a, a department mm -hmm. from scratch with the city of South Florida? You know, the most important thing is that you come into an organization with a clear vision. And being able to sell that vision to your troops is extremely important because we have a lot of young people. We're, millennials make up a bulk of, of my workforce, right? Right. And millennials want to be engaged with technology. They want to be engaged with, you know, cutting edge strategies and things of that nature. So it's important that you develop uh, your strategies and your vision tailored to their needs and tailored to their desires. Because I tell my command staff all the time, we have to get our job done for their reasons. Right. And so in order to do that, you have to be prepared to invest in people. 
uh, not invest in processes, not invest in, in protocols and things of that nature. You have to invest in people. And when you start doing that, then you start to build the type of relationships with people that lend themselves towards success. And that's what we need to see. We need to make sure that we're building and leveraging relationships among our workforce and in the community as well. And so that becomes extremely important. And so when you have a relationship with your people, you manage differently. Right. And, and that doesn't mean that you, you know, you're hanging out with them after hours and, and going to bars and things of that nature, that, that they feel like you care about them on a, a personal level as well as a professional level and their growth. And so one of the things that we've done is that we've started investing in a lot of training for our people. Uh, most recently, we brought in an autism expert that developed a curriculum just for law enforcement. Oh. And we did that because we saw an encounter that one of our officers had uh, with an autistic child that kind of made me a little uncomfortable, right? right? And so being able to give our officers the tools to not only uh, go into the community, but to navigate those sort of situations becomes extremely important. And so I could see the faces of our officers as they were going through that autism training because many of them have uh, family members that might have autism and that touched them on a very personal uh, level. And so doing that and, and making sure that you're um, that you're educating them and, and, and furthering um, their professional uh, careers is, is extremely important. And so that's really what I'm all about, investing in people and not necessarily processes. I have this saying, boss is boss and leaders lead. And I ask my command staff, which one are you? And so if you're a leader, then you have to have the right type of relationship with your people. Now, does that mean that I make the right decisions all the time? Absolutely not. Right. Um, you know, uh, occasionally we have challenges and we have issues with, with some personnel. And so the important thing is to try to navigate through those so that you're building and strengthening your workforce. Okay. So tell me a little bit, you know, the city of South Fulton, 87, 88 square miles, roughly mm -hmm. 108 to 110 population. How right. many offices do you have? administrative as well as you know on the street you okay know, officers so here's what here's what we found um, we have 178 police officers now okay uh, we try to keep as few administrative officers off the on the in the offices as, as we possibly can because um, when I first came to the city of South Fulton, I was hearing horror stories about our response times. Mm -hmm. um, in some in cases, it was taking us two hours to respond. Wow. And so one of the things I did, I went to Georgia Tech and I asked them to take a look at our beats. And we had eight patrol beats in the city of South Fulton for to cover almost 90 square miles. Mm -hmm. Eight patrol beats is not nearly enough. Uh, and so when I went back and looked at the beat design, uh, the beats had not been redone since 1971. Now, most of South Fulton was farmland in 1971. <laughs> yeah. And so your, your patrol techniques during those times are much different. And so uh, when Georgia Tech completed their study, they said we needed 18 beats as opposed to eight, which means you have to more than double the size of the number of police officers you're putting out on the street. So we surmised that we need somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 police officers. And so now what does that mean? Um, can we hire 350 police officers today? No, I, I think that's irresponsible. What you want to try to do is uh, grow the police department organically, uh, add beats as, as, um, as your manpower allows you to. Right. And we've gone from 8 to 12 now. And we want to continue to increase that number until we're up to that 350 allocation. And so uh, it's rough right mm -hmm. now because we know what number we should be at. Right. And so... It's difficult in today's environment to hire that number of police officers because everybody is 
competing out of the same workforce or exactly. out of the same job pool. And so it's important for us to try to distinguish ourselves, you know, as a city. And one way that we've done that uh, recently is that, um, you know, we've cast that vision about, you know, 21st century policing and technology and where we're going. Then we've also built in incentives for police officers at other agencies that have certain training uh, behind their um, their professional um, careers, you know, like whether they're SWAT trained, whether they're um, uh, at traffic reconstruction specialists and things of that nature so that we can bring those people in and not only compensate them uh, for their um, for their certifications, but it also gives us the ability to plug in holes where we have deficiencies within our organization. And so I believe that that's an excellent recruiting tool for us and it's a way for us to try to distinguish ourselves from other agencies because we have this long list of certifications of people that we're actually looking for out in the workforce that exist already and being able to bring those people in and compensate them at, a, at an appropriate salary is important. Right, right. Well, it seems as though in your uh, your management style that you um, are able to you really kind of hit the pulse of what mm -hmm. your people need to grow. And, right. And so, as far as what is one major obstacle that you see? Because I know that you guys are having growing pains. Mm -hmm. The city of South Fulton in general is having growing pains and right. being able to find adequate facilities mm -hmm. for the operation so not only are you trying to grow organically but you're trying to grow organically probably in an uncomfortable environment because right. you don't have the facilities to be able to accommodate everyone so what do you what are you know that might be the obstacle the major obstacle but what are the major obstacles that you see in being able to have the type of department that you want to get to what are those, what's the major obstacles? In, in today's environment, um, and if you look at the 21st century policing model, uh, the health and wellness of our police officers mm -hmm. is, is the most important thing right now. And the reason that I say that is because we want to make sure that you're not only training our police officers, but you have to be concerned about their health and, and their wellness with everything that they're experiencing today. Mm -hmm. uh, before we uh, started filming, I was talking to the staff here about the number of traffic fatalities that we have. And there's 34 traffic fatalities in the city of South Fulton so far this year. Well, wow. if you could imagine, you know, police officers having to encounter that sort of uh, those sort of tragedies every day, right. it could be a little um, taxing on, on a person's uh, emotional state. And so we want to make sure that we're paying really close attention to um, their health and wellness. And we're looking at things like mindfulness, resiliency based training for our people. I'm often reminded of a situation from when we were both in College Park together. I had to fire a police officer because he went to a domestic call and he was uh, in the he was in a really bad uh, uh, physical altercation with the husband. He was trying to get him handcuffed. And after he um, managed to get the handcuffs, the wife jumped on his back. And so he was still in the mind frame that he was fighting with a man. And when I looked at the body camera video, uh, I said, I can't keep this guy. You know, and I wound up having to fire him. Well, um, I also realized that I, I should take that as a professional failure because it's my job to give people the tools to navigate and be able to give them uh, the ability to hit that reset button so that they'll know where they are emotionally. Uh, when they're navigating those sort of circumstances. And so I reached out to the Mindfulness Institute here in Atlanta and asked if there's a way for us to go ahead and start trying to build a curriculum for law enforcement. 
And so I don't know that it exists anywhere in law enforcement uh, throughout the country, but I started looking into it and, and that's extremely important, making sure that we're paying close attention to the health and wellness of our officers. And the other things, um, the facilities and so forth, being a brand new city, yes, you realize the inventory is not necessarily there and you do have challenges, you know, on that front. But the citizens of South Fulton have been extremely understanding uh, when we've had to either close down facilities uh, or we've had to move um, to other areas. And so I, I understand, you know, some of uh, the citizens concerns because they think that you're just moving out of their community to abandon them altogether. But when you talk about growing pains and the challenges that, that you're confronted with, I mean, those are all the things that we have to navigate. Clearly, my, my preference would be to stay on Old National. Why? Because 59% of our crime happens along that corridor. And it's important that we have the appropriate footprint along that corridor at all times. And so, um, you know, we looked at other measures, other things that we could potentially do. And it, and it pains me uh, to, it pained me to close down the Old National Precinct because I understood what that meant. The property values over there are skyrocketing right now, as you well know. Mm -hmm. And so it's everyone that's in business is in business to make money. Right. And accommodating a police department is really not at the top of everybody's list of, of things to do. And so um, we just want to make sure that we're responsible with the tax dollars and that we're doing the appropriate thing for us at that time. Well, I understand that you guys have recently just closed on, I believe, nine acres of property right. for a new facility. Uh, how has that come along so far? Uh, you know, I'm extremely excited about that, uh, Artie, and I'll tell you why, because it puts us right back in that old national community. We purchased nine acres of land right at 138 in Old National. Uh, I believe uh, as we begin to develop it, that it'll be able to serve as a gateway to the city, because as you well know, right across the street is the Fayette, uh, Fayetteville line. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to make sure that as people are coming into the city of South Fulton, that they know that this is that that's that distinction. Right. Um, so when they come in, we'll have a state of the art uh, police facility and we don't want just any uh, facility there. We've talked about it as a command staff. We want to make sure that we have a police department that's engaging with the community. We've talked about putting walking trails around the police department. We've talked about putting pocket parks around that nine acres of land. We've talked about putting areas where people can come and do internet transactions, where we have cameras and so forth okay. uh, set up there so that they can make those transactions safely and, and have some degree of comfort knowing that they're right at the police department and that um, those uh, transactions are being videotaped. And so because we've seen time after time where someone has ordered something on, on the internet, they've gone to meet the person in, pl in, in mm -hmm. person, and then they wind up getting robbed as opposed to the transaction actually taking place. And so um, all of those things are important in terms of our community engagement. And so we really want our community to really embrace this facility. We want them to come and be part of it, not just to have a big standalone police department so that it's, um, it's, it's like this unapproachable building, so right. to speak. Will the community be able to have any feedback into kind of the design or anything? Absolutely. We've reached out to the uh, Center for Police Facilities. Okay. Uh, they're a company based out of, um, out of Florida. And what they've done is they've helped uh, do community surveys, com um, uh, facility designs and things of that nature. They'll come in and do a needs assessment, space assessment uh, for the police department to give us a state-of-the-art police department that 
won't just suit our needs today, but 20 to 30 years from now is what we're looking at. Um, we've even gone to some facilities where uh, most police departments are starting their own crime lab. And why that's important for us is because we collect our own ballistic evidence. Right now we have a partnership with ATF and they test all of our ballistic evidence, but there's still a delay. And so it's important for us to be able to do that, that, those testings in real time so that we can immediately follow up on the results of those. And so we're looking and thinking about ways that we can, you know, not only be on the cutting edge, but expanding our reach in the law enforcement community. Because ultimately, if we get a crime lab, then we're able to outsource those services to other police, to smaller police departments. And so we want to send a signal that we're not a small player in law enforcement in the, in the um, metropolitan area, that, we were, that we're a major player. We're prepared to reach out uh, to other jurisdictions and municipalities to try to help further their efforts as well. Because yeah. it's going to take a regional approach to crime fighting. Right. right now, everybody's talked about gangs, uh, but those gangs don't know jurisdictional boundaries. And so they'll go from here to Fairburn, from Fairburn to East Point, East Point to College Park. And it's important that we're all sharing the same um, level of, of, of intelligence and, inf and information. Right. Well, I can appreciate your uh, forward thinking mindset and mm -hmm. as you think about the mental health of your officers, physical health, having walking trails and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of, uh, what are other opportunities that you can see as far as being able to have a, um, I guess a healthy law enforcement community relationship? It's, it's important for us to expand our community policing efforts. As our department grows, our desire is to have um, a community police officer in in each one of the seven districts. And let me tell you why that's important, because it gives them the opportunity to reach out to the constituents in, in many of these communities and start to uh, document most of their concerns so that we're working in cooperation with our city government. In other words, if there are some code enforcement issues that's impacting crime in a particular area, it's important for that community police officer to write up a plan of action for that particular community that allows us to be more efficient in our city government. In other words, how can the police department help support code enforcement? Or whether it's public works, you know, with respects to the speeding signs. Everybody thinks that we put up um, those speed detection signs, uh, but that's actually public works. And so it's important for us to be able to document those concerns and work closer with our city government to ensure that all of these things are taking place. And so that's our goal is to have a community police officer in each one of the seven districts. We're not quite there yet, right. uh, but, but we're moving in that direction. And so that when we start getting these quality of life complaints, um, you know, that we're able to address them immediately. Because what happens now, what's going on now, because initially I told you we needed 350 police officers, because we're only at 178, we have to make sure our, our primary focus has to be to reduce crime. Why? Because when we're able to do that, uh, it helps you recruit more businesses here. And then when you get more high-end businesses coming into the city, mm -hmm. then um, it helps us then to expand and probably, well, even to recruit faster. Right. And that's yeah. important because uh, the more police officers we're able to get in, uh, top-level police officers, uh, we don't want to just get a body for the sake of putting it in a uniform. We want to make sure we're getting the very best that, that exists out there and so that we can start you know, formulating those strategies and making sure that we're furthering the police department in that way. So um, 
We're not where we want to be in terms of addressing quality of life. We've had three straight years of crime reduction, but as our department grows, we expect to start delving into more quality of life issues because one of the things our citizens said to us was that they didn't like the ATVs coming out. Well, we went out and purchased two ATVs. We sent our officers out to be trained on riding them. They ride the, um, the utility trails throughout the city sometimes when they're finding people um, out there riding them. And, and we've been pretty successful in our enforcement efforts to that regard. And that's one community policing um, initiative that we've been, well, one quality of life initiative that we've been able to implement. But we wanna make sure that we continue to grow um, those, those sort of initiatives. Yeah. Well, as you know, and you've known this uh, since the South Side Show has been, mm -hmm. I guess, since we've been, you know, airing, is that the South Side Show is about identifying, uh, magnifying the positive stuff that's going on on the South right. Side because a lot of the time your mainstream media, um, they don't, they don't cover those items. Mm -hmm. um, um, I've seen you on CNN and. Channel 5, Channel 2, mm -hmm. Channel 11, all the channels, you know, um, and there's a lot of, like I said, from time to time, there's a lot of misinformation that's out right. there. And by the time that those statements are retracted or clarified, then, mm -hmm. you know, it's not on the front page. It's somewhere else. Yeah, well, you're right. Yeah. So if, if you would kind of expound on some of the, the recent issues that mm -hmm. you have experienced uh, with the city of South Fulton and just clarify for our South Side show guests anything that you feel that might need any clarification. So there was a bunch of um, rumors floating around about our, our um, narcotics unit and what what uh, they had been doing and the activities that they were engaged in. And I want our viewers to know that there was one individual that was operating outside of our protocols uh, and our policies and procedures. Now, my biggest mistake was that I, I trusted this individual. Right. And unfortunately, sometimes when you're in leadership positions, you put people in those vital positions that, you, that you've had a relationship with. And this particular person I'd known for nearly 20 years. And, and some of the misinformation is floating out there is that we were, we were best friends and they were best friends with my wife. Listen, I have a professional relationship with everybody. My wife is in policing and my wife has a professional relationship with people at, at APD as well. And so when this individual came to the city of South Fulton, and she worked for me in College Park as well. Um, she did good work, and she did it at a very high level. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she was operating outside of our policies and protocols. And so uh, I tell my people all the time, no one is above the integrity of the organization. And so at the end of the day, um, she was held accountable. She resigned in lieu of termination. Um, and right now, we've contacted the GBI to come in and investigate our um, assets forfeiture um, policies and our protocols and, and things that have taken place within that unit up until today. And we've given them all of the information that they've needed back to whatever time. And so when their investigation concludes, if it, if it results in um, so the appropriate charges being uh, filed, then we'll work with the district attorney's office to ensure that that happens. But, you know, at this time, um, at no time would I ever be involved uh, in any type of cover-up because when I talk about the integrity of the organization, you have to do what you have to do to make sure that, that it, main, it remains at the highest level because trust in any police department today is fragile. And when things like that happen, um, it's often viewed that it's the entire department. Well, that's not the case. And what I've told people is that I'm not going to allow one person to pr paint a broad brush across uh, this entire organization right. because of their uh, indiscretions. 
And so, you know, we've worked um, closely to try to make sure we rectified many of those problems and we've tightened up many of our protocols as it relates to our assets and forfeiture unit. And so it's our hope that in time, this police department will begin to heal from that and it will move on. Yeah. Well, I feel in any organization, especially when you're starting something from the ground up and you're continuing to grow, there are right. always going to be those gaps. Right. And since you're always growing, you're experiencing new things. Mm -hmm. New means you haven't, you know, you haven't been there before. Right. It's lots of times you cannot, you know, you have to put your trust in the others. If right. not, you would have a lot more gray hair. Well, you probably shave your head. <laughs> but you would probably have a lot more gray hair than you do. Um, right. And, you know, you have to put trust in people. Sometimes that doesn't always work out, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's opposition in all things. Um, so um, I'm happy to hear that, you know, you've, you identified that, you know, there was some, you know, some discrepancies or some some areas right. that were that need to be addressed and you're addressing it accordingly right that's all that you can do and like I said you have uh, one of the best like I said if not the best operation that I have ever been a, a part of and I'm mm -hmm. I'm proud to uh, to, to work with you and um, okay. to have um, you know just work with you professionally you know that in the past you know whenever I had some big um, uh, prospect that I wanted to bring to the community to possibly expand their business or right. to come, you know, you were right there at the meetings to talk to them about what they may end up finding on the internet, you right. know, about College Park at the time. Right. And you put them at ease and those businesses relocated to College Park and they never looked back. Right. You know, they're doing well. And I look forward to doing the same thing with you, you know, in the city of South Fulton also. Um, there are probably people out there on the, um, in our audience, um, our Southside Show guests, that are maybe interested in possibly exploring a career in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. What recommendations would you have for them to be able to kind of uh, continue their research and exploration into uh, a job in law enforcement? Always look at the vision for the, uh, of the, um, for the department. Uh, look at the vision and see where the department is headed. Look at their uh, Facebook pages and things of that nature so that you can see the types of activity that they're engaged in. Mm -hmm. Look at the department to, to see if it's diverse, if they have programs for people like you inside of the organization. Um, to help them uh, further their careers. Often people wind up at agencies um, without doing the appropriate research and they find out that there's limited opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so what you need to do is find out, you know, how, how, how advancement works for me as a person uh, uh, throughout any organization and how can I get to the very top levels? Because why do something if you don't want to be at the very top level of it, right? Right. Um, and so I want people, I want 350 police officers that want my job. Now, am I going to get 350 police officers? Well, absolutely not. Some people say, I don't want to be the chief, but you have to have some interest in the organization that, that maintains your enthusiasm, whether it's investigating murders, whether it's moving up through the ranks, uh, whether it's um, uh, you know doing different types of undercover investigations, whether it's working with children or whatever. What, what motivates you to do this job? And then I often tell people to write out a list of what it will take to get there over the next five to ten years. And when you achieve that, what? Because when I achieved my ultimate goal of becoming the homicide commander in Atlanta, uh, I was thinking to myself, what now? And then mm -hmm. I started looking at the person above me and I was like, 
I'm smarter than that guy. I could do his job. <laughs> and then when I got there, I, you know, and then so forth and so on until I ultimately became the chief. And so um, those are the sort of things when you sit down and you look at um, your career path that you have to, to strongly consider. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any uh, last words that you would like to leave with our Southside show guest? Listen, yes, absolutely. So when we talk about the city of South Fulton Police Department, um, there's a lot of information floating around out there on the Internet. Um, a lot of it's misinformation. I encourage people to get involved with your police department. The one thing that I tell my police officers is that police officers police differently when we have relationships in the community. Well, the same holds true for our citizens. When we have a relationship, uh, we're able to better understand your needs and your desires as a police department. And so uh, much of what you're seeing out there right now is misinformation. And if you get the opportunity to know uh, your beat officers and your police chief, uh, then it's much easier for you to uh, understand or, or uh, put away the misinformation that you're seeing out there in, in, on the Internet and in, in the community. And so I would encourage everybody when we have these town hall meetings about public safety to get involved and, and get um, engaged with our processes. All right. And how could um, our Southside show guests get in contact with you? Do you have website information or Instagram? We have website. We, yeah, we have a website that you could go to the city of South Fulton, GA.gov. And we also have an app. Um, now, our app is, is city. It's the City Guard app. And then when you go through, uh, go to the City Guard app, you're able to select the city of South Fulton. And what the City Guard app does, it allows you to take pictures, uh, upload video to us. It gives you uh, vital information about the police department. And when you send tips to us, whether it's narcotics tips or tips about wanted persons, uh, that information is instantly rooted to uh, the appropriate unit. And so I would encourage everyone to download that City Guard app and um, select the city of South Fulton and you'll get all of the information that you need about your uh, police department. Okay. I didn't know that. I yes. work for the city of South Fulton. I'm, yes, I'm going to yes, have to yes. sign up. <laughs> all, okay. all right. Well, thank you, uh, Chief Keith Meadows. I appreciate you being um, a guest on the Southside Show uh, again. And uh, I really appreciate the great work that you and your people Absolutely. are doing. Absolutely. Thank you so I know much. that your your work wouldn't be as great as it is without the people that work for you. Absolutely. So we do appreciate you, and uh, I look forward to working with you in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a wrap, folks. My time is up. I'm Artie Jones, your host of the Southside Show, bringing you the latest and the greatest that the Southside has to offer. And if you don't remember anything else from this episode, please remember this. Don't, don't sleep, sleep on, on the Southside. South Take care. <laughs>